The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What is going on, everybody? Good afternoon. Welcome on into another edition of the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson. Appreciate AJ holding down the fort while I was away yesterday. It's a business to take care of uh, out of town, but all went well, from what I understand. And uh, AJ, thank you for uh, making making your way down the hallway. <laughs> I, injuring yourself in the process, so I'm glad you're here. <laughs> All I hear is, welcome to the full court press, and I'm like, wait, what? Sorry, I was I was busy getting some other stuff done. Uh, no, you weren't. You were talking to a sports guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, what's the what's what's jazz play next? Uh, sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> hey, a couple of big things to, to get into. Major League Baseball has another proposal. And uh, there's players that are, are are claiming that owners are, quote, depriving America of baseball, close quote. And there are owners saying that baseball players are being greedy and drama kings as well. So it's a he said, you said. <laughs> it's not pretty. No matter which side you're on, it's not pretty. Uh, some big news from Utah State, some new player announcements. Uh, one that became official. Uh, with uh, uh, Nate Wickheiser uh, joining the Utah State Aggie basketball team as a walk-on. We heard uh, Coach Craig Smith talk a little bit about it when we had him on the show earlier uh, last month. But um, now the Utah State basketball team has issued an official announcement about it. And then there's news about another USC transfer coming to Utah State football. And that worked out really well the last time Utah State landed a USC transfer. Amen. Uh, that was Jalen Green. Was that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about this kid. And this is going to actually beef up their defensive backfield in a major way, something that you and I, Eric, discussed throughout the season last year they really, really needed. Did I say they, they signed Nate Wickheiser? Did you really? That <laughs> was his son, Matthew Wickheiser. Sorry. My bad. Nate's... Good too. Yeah, he did. A, uh, he uh, he did good things for the Aggies in the uh, when was that? Early nineties. Oh, dude, that's way before my. Yeah, I. I hate to say it, it's kind of before my time of when I started attending Aggie games. I mean, I only attended a few, but spare ones far in between. But um, what position did he play? Nate. Yeah, was uh, he a big man? Was, yeah, he was a big guy. Okay. Yeah, he's tall. So this this so would check in son. with Matthew six nine. <laughs> yeah, um, Matthew is uh, yeah six foot nine. Played at Kearns High School. Yes, before serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Hey, they're really stacking on height. Pretty, they're focused on that, aren't they? A lot. It seems like in this recruiting pro. I know you lost wow. Nigel John. Uh, I I'm not sure what the status on Clay Stall is. Uh, and then uh, obviously you know Ro- you know Roche Grufon, but you, hey, you do have Namiya Keta. So you have a good depth amount of big men. Does that like hint to you anything? Yeah, well, and you got Kuba. Yeah, that's right. And Trevin Dorius. Trevin too. Dorius. You got the other guy from Poland, Shimon. Shimon. Yeah. Zapala. Zapala. Zupis. And now Wickhiger is six foot nine. Okay, so does that like does that at all send a message to you as 
you know, one who covers the Aggies that, hey, maybe they're going to play differently. And no no Sam Merrill, uh, Abel Porter's not there. Does that, it just feels like it's different basketball than what they played before the last two years. I don't know about that because, look, last year they had one of the tallest rosters in all of college basketball. Second uh, second tallest one in the country, right? You're Next right. To Washington. So, I don't know that all of a sudden there's this change. I think Coach Smith has been recruiting tall players. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, I don't know if I ever told this story. After a press conference, someone had said, hey, so, you know, you're the second tallest team in the country. And this is like over halfway through the season. And, you know, and someone had asked the question of, like, why don't you ever pound the ball inside? And and he's like, all right, so whoever's t- saying that needs to really stop saying that we're the second. T- I mean, because Namish was hurt, Kuba was then sick. Uh, he's going through the list of all his tall guys who just weren't playing at the time. And uh, and he kind of looks over at his SID, Kyle Cotton, who's the nicest human being in the world, but said, so can we stop reporting that we are the second tallest team in the country? Please stop. <laughs> So as I guess I guess the caveat to it all, Eric, is that can they stay healthy? Yes, and maybe that's why they feel like they need to load up, it just in case. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. What, I mean, you live and learn, right? Yeah. You say, hey, you know, we got away with it last year. You know, just piecing together whatever scraps we could find, using Cuba when we could, using Dorius, uh, putting Alfonso at the. I mean, whatever they could put together, they did until Namiya Keta got back. Uh, but more or less, I think that that's a good way to look at it, Eric, is maybe they are just in case dire need says that they are ready to go. Yeah, so we've got some of the details about Matthew Wickheiser on CashValleyDaily.com. The announcement came uh, late yesterday afternoon, but uh, six foot nine, um, listing him as a forward. He played high school at his uh, senior year at Kearns High School. Um, had a successful run. They were twenty and four. Uh, they won the Region Two title and um, uh, finished strong in their to, to finish out the uh, their, their season and, and played well into the playoffs. Um, but uh, anyway, season high twenty points in a game against Hillcrest. So, um, and and how much? What's his body weight again? Does it uh, say? The they just list him at six foot nine. Okay, I'm not seeing a body weight. Okay, all right. Sometimes those are hard to know after someone returns home from a mission, what that's really going to look like. Uh, but here's what uh, Smith said. Did you by chance get a chance to find that? I didn't. Audio we talked about. Oh, cool. I will. I will go track it down though. It's all good. Oh, here's what uh, Coach Smith said in the release. It says that they're thrilled to have uh, Matthew Wickheiser joining the program. It says he has great size, skill, and can really shoot the ball. So that's good. 6'9", he can shoot. He grew up an Aggie fan and has tremendous passion for the Aggies. He fits the culture of our program, as he will do whatever it takes for our team to be successful. I, uh, I'm excited. I mean, if you can get a big man who can space the floor, I feel like Namiya Keta is getting better at spacing the floor with his shot. That he's putting more pressure on the big man to get out there and guard him. If they can find someone with that same type of style, it could be really effective to have a sub come in. Because really, after, I mean, when Namiya Keta was out, you were looking at Dorius and Kuba who couldn't shoot from the outside. I mean, 10 feet. But if you can find a 6'9 kid who has good body size, um, 
is is physical and is tough and can shoot from uh, you know 10 12 feet out it's it's going to help and it's going to make you a little bit more lethal and hopefully help out your your outside shooters too yeah and i think that's the next level for for nimi oh yeah is to be a little more consistent with an outside shot do you he was starting to develop that a little bit last i was year. about to ask you look nimi is in his third year right with us uh what is that the one thing you want to see him improve upon as he tries to ready himself for the NBA? Is the outside shot or anything else that you see that was, uh, we could work on that? Well, I, I think that that will certainly catch a lot of attention from NBA scouts if he has a has a consistent outside shot. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that he needs to be a three point shooter, yeah, but he needs to be comfortable away from the rim. I think because there's a lot of NBA big guys that are, um, but also I think. Uh, in, continue to increase his physicality down low oh, on so the defensive you, you side. You like to see. You know what's interesting is when you watch. It's really strange. Like when did you feel like you saw the Namiyash Keta of 2018 come back for the 2019 season? I mean, was there a time where you said, "Oh, there he is. We've been waiting for him." Ooh, good question. Because I felt like like the Air Force game, he just got shredded. Yeah, he just did not show up. Uh, UNLV game he sat out. Uh, Boise State game at home. Actually, the Boise State game at Boise State, he looked okay. The Boise State game at home, he looked all right. I don't think it was maybe till the Mountain West tournament, and maybe against New Mexico is when I finally saw him because I saw glimpses and flashes, but consistent. Like throughout the entire night that he played, I would have to say New Mexico in the tournament. Wyoming, we saw the full Namiya Keta. Like we saw the whole entire repertoire. I thought he was great against Wyoming uh, in the tournament. Yeah, that's a really good question. But I don't know when we saw the full Namiya Keta back, and I just I look forward to seeing that. Um, and hopefully he. Oh my heavens! I hope he stays healthy. He was like. I, you said Wyoming, right? Yeah, this, in, was, in Game 2 of the Mountain West Tournament. Yeah, that was Wyoming. He was, he was fantastic. Oh, he was incredible. That second half, he was uh, he just he starred. Like, people are going to talk about Sam Merrill, but Namiya's Keta was incredible in the second half. So, um, just looking at what he did over the season. Okay. Against... What uh, was his line versus Air Force? Can I ask that? Do you have that by uh, chance? Uh, Air Force on the road. Yeah. Nine points. In how many minutes? And he three rebounds. Because he didn't play versus UNLV, and then he came 18 back. minutes. That he, was a rough night for him. Uh, he played against UNLV when they came to Logan, and he had a good game. 21 points, six boards. Okay. Five assists. Very solid performance. What Do you know the date on that? That was February 5th. Okay, so we're... Okay. And he followed that up against Boise State with 21 points and eight rebounds. And that was at Boise State, right? No, that was in Logan. Oh, that was in Logan. Okay, so that's the game I... the game at Boise was a collapse. Yeah, see, the the game I remember of him the most was the game against Boise State in the regular season. I I didn't know... You said UNLV at home was a good one? Yeah, he had three straight games. It was really solid. 21-6-5 against UNLV. 21-8 versus Boise. 14-11 at Colorado State, and then he struggled a little bit uh, at Fresno uh, versus Wyoming. Well, I say struggled. He didn't <laughs> score as much, but against Wyoming on February 19th, he did grab 15 boards to go along with eight points. So, But I think that as the as the season was winding down, the regular season, he was 
he was rounding back into form. What? Because he was right there at getting double doubles or flirting with double doubles. The what was the minutes in that in that three game streak where he played really well? Thirty six, thirty one, and twenty six. So he was playing heavy minutes then. So maybe that's probably when he started to finally. Because I, I remember the Boise State game very well at home. I totally spaced on UNLV though, and and really Colorado State. Yeah, because then uh, the the game against San Jose, twenty three points, ten boards, at New Mexico, it was a loss, but eighteen. I points, thought he played well. Yeah, fourteen rebounds, yep. two blocks. He did have eight turnovers in that game though? Did he have eight? <laughs> I do remember that. He had eight? Oh. That, okay, but so I think you're right. I think it wasn't until February and the, the last part of the of the season before we we saw Nimi as the same type of player that we saw the season previous. So there were there were games here and there where he had flashes. Oh but yeah. He just yeah. Wasn't there was as glimpses consistent. of old Namish. Right. I the other thing I wonder is, well, and what I'd like to see him improve upon, I know this turned into an Amish Keta conversation, <laughs> sorry, uh, but passing out, right? I think he is a great big man who can find a double team. It's just getting the ball to a guy, if he's going to skip past it, like, remember the one where I think Brock Miller was in the corner and he airmailed it like four rows up almost? If he can be able to, I mean, and I love his idea of just, you know, throwing a skip pass. But make sure that it gets to the target, you know, hits him in the chest where he can catch in rhythm and shoot. If he can get that down, he's going to be very, very, very good. He's got the double team down part of knowing when a double team's coming, whether it's from the weak side or it's coming right in front of him. But it's just making that decision and being accurate with it. Otherwise, he's good to go. Like he's and he's got his free throw shooting. I think he's actually been a better free throw shooter. Yeah, I well. Interesting. I, I think that the uh, uh, passing is an interesting thought. Um, and uh, how well he can find other guys. Uh, I, I think improving his physicality in the post, and then stepping out and having a little bit more of a, a, a shot, an offensive game away from the basket. I think he's he's on the trajectory to do that. And if he does, I don't know that he's going to be a lottery guy, but I think he could be a first round guy. Yeah, I think he's I think he's mid to late first round. I do. I think he's mid to late first round. Which is there but there's nothing wrong with being mid to late first round. I know people are like, well, if you're not a top fifteen lottery pick, well, so what? If he's mid to late first round, that means one of the thirty one or what, thirty teams, unless somebody trades up and has two draft spots in the first round, that means teams want you that early to say he is he's our number one draft pick for this team. Um, the question, but he, he played, he played about two thirds of the regular season yeah. because of injuries. That's what, that, that really killed and him. And in actually. that 13 points, about eight rebounds, two assists per game. And then you consider really then the, uh, so he played two thirds of a regular season. And then of that two thirds, it wasn't until the, really the last third of that, that he really started to turn it on. And really come together. Do you have confidence if the depth chart were to look as is last year, right? Uh, the backup to Namias would be Dorius Sakuba. I still don't feel qualified to answer that. 
that says a lot. I think it says a lot just, I mean, for how many games we saw him play in. Tells you enough. Yeah, I, I just think it's wide open, and that's why. I, I think that it, whomever works harder in the offseason, whoever is uh, improving their body and improving their skill set, and then what these new guys look like, I just think it's too hard for me to predict who that backup's going to be at this point. I, uh, Yeah, and that's that's the question I think is going to be kind of hitting everybody because, I mean, what do you do with Fonzo? Does Fonzo come off the bench still, right? Because you got Bean. Probably. Uh, I think he's the first one after Bean. Yeah, I think Barristow, Marco, and... Or Brock. I think Alfonso Anderson could either do the uh, Brock Miller so, position so that's or the Justin Bean position. So, yeah. So, here's the thing is what you could do. I mean, if you've got Marco starting, right, and then you have Barristow at the three, maybe. Uh, Barristow at three. Bean at four and Amish at five. Would Brock play the two? Or is Lehman... Yeah, I'd probably put Barristow at the two. Then uh, I guess Brock plays at the three unless Fonzo come. Oh man! Yeah, I think that'll be. I think there's going to be some really interesting position yeah. battles that's, when they get back together. That's a good point. I'm sure they're looking forward to it. Which, yeah, just it's now getting the kids back and ready to go and to go through camp and. Because um, you I'm, also got the kid from Montana that's going to be competing for time. What about uh, Liam McChesney? I I mean, there is a lot of hype. Like Coach Smith was extremely excited. Throughout the year, he'd kind of bring his name up at times, like, hey, we are excited about Liam McChesney. That's a guy I'm actually looking forward to seeing how much, where he's at. I know he sat for one year. I don't know if it helps if you sit for one year or if you play immediately, but we're going to find out how much it helped because there's a, a lot of excitement from Coach Smith about this kid. And, I mean, we'll see. And if Is he a Sean Barrister where he gets major minutes in his first year playing? Maybe. But that's another kid I'm looking at. I'm, I'm actually looking out for, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to see. But there's no question, the, this team is loading up on the power forward center position. Oh, yeah. Um, there's going to be some great battles. Somebody's going to feel upset because they're not going to get the playing time. Uh, we still don't know who may be redshirting. There may be some of these newer guys that's that we've talked true. about that don't play yet. Yeah. Let Nimi play his this season, and then he's going to go off to uh, to the NBA, and then it opens things up for for uh, that kind of succession for who's going to be the starter, then who's going to be the backup, and who's the developmental player, who's the practice squad guy, hey, you know, who who's the guy in practice that pushes the starters? So, how many new guys do we got now? There's Raleigh, uh, Shaban, uh, Zappa. I don't know. Uh, the other weird name, Max, <laughs> Max, wait, yeah, sh- stop it. <laughs> wait. Okay. You're counting Max. Okay. So four, I've got four. Um, Nigel John is gone. Carson Bischoff is gone. Uh, is there, is there any other new signings that we've missed? I'm looking, I'm thinking of four right now that come off the top of my head. Uh, I can't think of too many others than that. Yeah, I, that's so. Four guys. I I would imagine one of them's going to end up redshirting. There's well, there may be a kid that was signed a few years ago, and he's coming home from a mission. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. And I now all of a sudden I can't think of who that is. 
seems like there's always a, a mission kid that's coming in. Well, bottom line is, this is a Utah State team that's going to have some fun position battles, especially in the low post. Uh, and I think that's going to help push Keta. I think it's going to help develop whomever is going to back him up and eventually replace him. And uh, I think it will be interesting to see how that coaching staff utilizes that size. Is there a, is there a scenario where you have Nimi and another one of these guys on the floor at the same time? And Justin Bean as your small forward. Dude, Good luck can, trying to get through the yeah, paint. I was going to say, crew. dude, that's a lethal, lethal extra court. extra possessions for for your team if you can pull that off. You know, offensive what? rebounds deluxe. We we take so much granted for this, but just seeing rebound machines like Namias and, and Bean go after a board. Like, do you realize? I think it was the Wyoming game in the tournament. I don't know if you, anybody realized this. I think it was midway through the second half where Wyoming was like, you know what? Screw the offensive board chances. We aren't getting them. I mean, I, Bean and Namish had cleaned out the board so well in the first half and into the second half that Wyoming quit sending guys to the boards. They're like, look, if you get a good bounce to get away, go after the ball. Otherwise, get your butt back. I mean, that just, that's just how good they are at cleaning up the trash on the boards. It's, it's really, really incredible to watch. And it's something we take for granted. Justin Bean had four offensive rebounds in that game. Keda had one in the Wyoming game. Yep, but, four offensive boards. But what they <clears throat> what they really did was they eliminated second chance opportunities for Wyoming. USU had thirty one defensive rebounds compared to Wyoming's six offensive rebounds. Do you? Hey, did Bean have a game winning tip in too last year? Was that versus South Florida? Who was that? Bean had a game-winning offensive board in Tippin. What game was that, man? Oh, and I, 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 I want to say it was, if our listeners could help us out, 435-339-0321 or 435-752-1069 to call in. I swear, I, dude, I, I mean, I know it's been a long, long year, and my memory is starting to go blurry on me. But Bean had a game-winning tip-in, and I want to say it was on the road, and I want to say it was versus South Florida. And I think if I remember right... Like- Justin Bean made the game-winning bucket at the end of overtime. Yes, I'm reading the, the recap right now. Was it South Florida? It was South Florida. Yep, win in overtime. Oh. And I think if I remember right, like the ball bounced to him. like He had no business even being there. Yeah, like everybody had cleared out the other <laughs> other side, and he just happened to be the one lone guy who stayed down low. <laughs> Ball bounces to him, and he's able to tip it in. Oh, that was such a fun couple of days, wasn't it? They go and beat South Florida, turn around and beat Florida in Florida. Neutral court, quote-unquote, but beat Florida. That whole year, dude, it's just amazing. I mean, they come and back. Some from crazy come-from-behind victories. They're down by 18 to LSU, come back and win that game. Uh, beat North Texas, who actually gave him a battle. Yeah, that was... And really, Nimi was... He only played 10 minutes yeah. in the Florida game. Because didn't he injure his knee? Yeah, early. That's right. And we, do you remember the story Carl Smith told us? Off, I'm not going to repeat it because it's off record, but <laughs> just... He was terrified when he saw that. 
And that's why I think everyone was kind of w- w- was holding their breath too when he was down on the ground. And then you saw him walking around for a little bit, and you're like, ah, oh, we're okay. Well, the bottom line here is Utah State has added more height to their team today. Uh, well, the announcement came late yesterday, but uh, Matthew Wickheiser joining Utah State men's basketball program, six foot nine, listing him as a forward from Kearns High School. It's where he played his senior year. Um, but uh, joining, uh, and he was second team all region two, but uh, he's coming to Utah State as he's recently returned from a mission in Italy. So it's, uh, Utah State's got a lot of size in the low post. Coming up next here in the Full Court Press, news about uh, another player joining Utah State, this time on the football side of things. There's some news about Major League Baseball, another proposal, some more harsh words that are being shared, doesn't do any good. And there's talk about the NBA having a uh, condensed schedule for next season. How well is that playing with some NBA teams? We'll discuss that next in the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, thanks for tuning in and joining us here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, or if you're streaming online, 1069thefan.com. Hey, before we move on to baseball and such, can I just say uh, this Utah State football schedule is brutal? Like, it is mean this year. I uh, To go on the road to... I mean, you get Washington State at home. Obviously, Washington, if they play the full 12 games, Washington State's going to be very good again. Uh, Southern Utah is Southern Utah. But you're at Washington. You're at BYU in back-to-back weeks. No, actually, that's a bye week. Sorry, we got a bye week and then BYU. Uh, but you get San Diego State at home, but you're at Boise State on the 17th. Uh, New Mexico, Nevada at Nevada is not going to be easy. At Wyoming always does weird things to Utah State. Uh, Fresno State's going to be good again. And then at Colorado State, and then of course, Air Force. And we all know what happened at Air Force last year. I just I look at that football schedule, and you lose your two best players, three best players really, in Tipinale, David Woodward, and Jordan Love. And Gerald Bright, who is a pretty consistent running back. Obviously, Jalen Warren's going to get a majority of carries now, and he's really good. But that is a brutal schedule to have to work through this year. I, I'm looking forward to our uh, um, opposition research segments and when we uh, look at other teams, but then also kind of what your uh, record's going to look like when you uh, do your prediction uh, before we start the season. Yeah, Washington, solid team. I'm looking at road games. Yeah. Washington, new head coach, but <laughs> solid team nonetheless. BYU, uh, I, I think they're on the up. They, oh yeah, and if they're and their recruiting not, class was really good, then the the pitchforks and I think Sataki sees his job go bye bye really quickly. The, uh, yeah, the long knives will be out. Uh, then at Boise State, that'll be a game. That's a tough stretch there, man. Yeah, oh, at Washington, brutal, man. at BYU, home you get a versus bye week, San but it Diego. San Diego's got a new head coach, but definitely a guy who's very familiar with their program. Very and good their football history. team. New Mexico. What do you think about the New Mexico game? I mean, are we? 
I know Bob Davies is gone. Bob Davies gone, but I'm not worried about New Mexico at this point. Rocky Long there kind of scares me just a tad bit. At Nevada? That's a curious one. Yeah. Because last year they didn't know who they were going to use it as their as, at their quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Through all of that, they still kind of found their way to have a semi-decent, well, very mediocre season, but to be in the running for a bowl game. This year, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but it's been a little while since the Aggies have traveled to Reno. Uh, and then, like you said, trips to Wyoming, Laramie are always curious. And then Colorado State, new head coach there. But, yeah, again, that's the one that I just that's don't know. That's a wild card game, I'd almost say. Because that because coach never was, know. Ne- was underperforming where he was before. Colorado State has great resources, but they don't ever seem to be able to get all their players on the same page. So... Fair I think enough. it's a really tough beginning, but I think if they can weather that, they could have a decent year because the, the back half isn't really that tough. The only game that really matters is you got to win at Boise State in October. If you win at Boise State in October, you got a shot for at least a Mountain West. or Is it, yeah, is it, is it the Mountain, Mountain Division? Division? Yeah. Mountain uh, Division yeah. title? Because, But the other problem is, is, well, it's actually a good thing, is Air Force at our place in November bodes well for us. If it's Air Force throw in the year, I'm a little terrified. Air Force at the end of the year, I like a uh, lot. It's news that their quarterback, Sanders, Yeah, he's transferring. He's leaving Air Force. Oh, thank goodness. I mean that with the nicest possible way, but, dude, I'm so sick of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that whole team was good. I, I, I just, they got robbed, man. <clears throat> That's a team who probably should have been competing for a Mountain West Conference championship, and if I dare say, probably would have won it running away. That's a good, good football team. Uh, and so to have them on the final game of the year, if you can beat Boise State, could prove to be very, very a fun, fun game on November 28th. Just don't be at 8 o'clock at night, please. <laughs> That's still, game times have not yet been announced. Yeah, they're supposed to be announced like this past week. and I- They were supposed to be announced two weeks ago. Is that... Everything got delayed. There's still uncertainty about will these games happen. Uh, but if they do happen, Utah State has a new addition to help them, at least on the defensive side. Utah State, is, uh, according to multiple sources, is adding USC transfer C.J. Pollard plays safety for the Trojans. Um, at, at times, he was inserted into games and made some good things happen, but he was never able to really stick as a starter for the Trojans. He kept being passed by other guys. Um, he was inserted into a game after uh, a teammate was ejected in the game against Oregon. He stepped in, had a career-high six tackles, had a tackle for loss, but didn't really stick after that. Uh, somebody else at the similar position got hurt. He came in, played well, uh, played a lot of defensive snaps, made some great plays, but then was passed over again. So, it, it, it's kind of like Jalen Green in that Jalen also was at USC, didn't get a lot of chances at USC, but when he came to USU, he blossomed. Mm-hmm. And he was great for what the Aggies were doing. And I think there's a lot of high hope that C.J. Pollard could do something similar at the safety position, where frankly I think Utah State could use some help at that position. See, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Do you remember last year we talked about the the, the fact that they have DJ Williams, Andre Grayson, Shaq Bond, 
Um, you know, Troy Lef- Troy Leffridge, who had came along very nicely and, and will be back this year. We thought this this is the secondary is going to be loaded. Well, and Wake Forest just put the ball in the air all night long. That's all they did and torched them. And then Kent State pretty much did the exact same thing and torched them. Uh, Air Force was more of a ground game, but I mean, Woodward was only there for half the game and he was gone. It pretty much the Aggie defense was gone the rest of the night. Um, but I, I guess, uh, yeah, you're right. The, the defensive secondary has not, was not good at all last year. Not good. And they have to be better this year. I think Pollard is a huge upgrade, a major upgrade for the Utah State, uh, for the Utah State Aggie football team. It's, and by the way, he's very physical too. He loves to hit. So you put him and Troy LaFedge Jr., excuse me, Troy LaFedge Jr. in there, uh, it's going to be a dangerous, dangerous combo. And well, if Troy Lefford stays at that position, I mean, he'd be see. That's what I was about more to say. Of a Nickelback, the, the, the John Trell Rockamore right. hybrid kind hybrid. of guy. Yeah. Do you think so? Would it be him or Pollard? Do you think? Well, and, well, Cash Gilliam. Oh, he's another kid. Yeah. Is he going to stay back there? Or is he going to move up and play more of a linebacker position? Yeah, it'd either because Troy loves to hit. So I could see Troy being that guy. Cash is another one you bring up. That's a good point. So, with the upgrade on the defensive backfield, safeties, corners, and such, what's your biggest worry, position-wise, offensively or defensively, right now? Well, let me read a quote from Gary Anderson. Okay. This was in the Deseret News. We have some really young but talented players. With our safeties and corners, we have seven kids, whether they are a red shirt or not, who are freshmen. Ooh. Oh, okay. I mean, he said a few things more, but I just want to settle on that. I think that emphasizes where, yeah. Wait, okay, so read that one more time, because that's what makes sure I heard you right. With our safeties and corners, we have seven kids, whether they are a red shirt or not, who are freshmen. Oh, yep, I heard you right. And then he says two or three of those will be prepared to battle for a spot. But... Now that you bring in C.J. Pollard, I think that that helps. That yeah. adds a little more Puts depth, a adds on a little, little more bit. experience. And by the way, good experience. Like the kid played at USC for crying out loud. I know people want to say everything they want to about Clay Helton, but if, if you got picked by USC, you're doing something right. How did Gary Anderson get that kid? He, but, and I know it doesn't matter. Oh, okay, it does, but it doesn't. That's a four-star kid. How in the world did they get him to Utah State? Not dissing on Utah State, just curious. Uh, so. Well, I mean, Jalen Green made the move. Yeah, and uh, he loved it. By he ended up saying after it was the best decision he made. Yeah, I mean, earlier this year, uh, Marcus Moore yeah. came over one. from UCLA as a defensive lineman. Boy, so that's going to help too. It, it it happens. It happens. So, um, oh yeah, Taron Adams, the other guy from Where's Arizona from? State. Oh, okay. He's going to be coming over. Uh, so, yeah, there's some of these transfers from the Pac-12 are going to have opportunities to step in. Now, on, the, on the defensive side, I'm not totally concerned. Linebackers? I know you got – is Metzenheimer back? Uh, ooh, that's a great question. Is he – I think he's back. So I know Munoz is it Eric Munoz, right? He'll be back. And I don't know if Metzenheimer's back. 
I want to say yes, but I could be easily wrong. I wish I knew some of these kids. I just can't keep up with everybody's graduation situation. Metzenheimer should be back. Thank goodness. Because that's going to be experience. Remember when David Woodward went out, uh, Coach Gary Anderson kind of put him in charge of that linebacking core and really in charge of the front area as well to be the vocal leader of that group. And he stepped up, I thought, really, really well. I thought Metzenheimer was awesome. So they get him, they get Munoz back. I, uh, yeah, then there's... Is it pretty thin from there? From there, it's, I mean, not a lot of experience. So you're, I think you're right. There is some concern, and that may be why there's a, a, a thought to move some of these guys into the linebacker position who were playing safety before. So, um, man, can't wait for fall camp. Yeah, I just got fine. Hey, so is voluntary workout voluntary workout starting right now? I, I don't know. So I know some schools started on June some 1st. Schools some schools have, a, on June have allowed 8th. it. Some schools started yesterday. I'm not sure that Utah State is, is at that point yet. I don't know. And when's our Mountain West Virtual Media Day? Which I'm actually really excited about. That's uh, near the end of July. Okay. It always seems to be around Pioneer Day, the state of Utah. That'll be fun. Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, any media who wants to participate will be involved, which is pretty cool. Yeah, since it's virtual, it's going to be a lot easier for yeah, more for media members to participate. And we'll have all the audio. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll take it all. We'll grab all the big bites, all the sound bites from from all the coaches. It'll be different from here from a couple new coaches this year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll have all the sounds and bites from players and coaches uh, around the Mountain West Conference, and, and we'll play them all for you. We'll have a very busy, busy day that day. And that'll actually be the week that uh, NBA starts, too. Did you know C.J. Pollard and Jalen Green went to the same high school? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Boy, Jalen Green was an athlete, wasn't he? I, I know you brought him up already, but, boy, he was oh, he was good. Oh, Jalen Green, 44 passes, caught, 689 yards, six touchdowns. And, and you know what? If you would have put, Eric, if he would have been just one year later, one year later, you got Green, Mariner, and Rep on the same field. And Taylor Compton, I thought, was really good, too. I thought Taylor Compton came along very nicely. Um, that would have been a good receiving group. Really, really good receiving group. Uh, I do have some concerns about USU's wide receiver core. Okay. Uh, Compton comes back. Just who, who's your who's your possession guy? Oh, you don't have who's, one. Who's your sideline possession guy? Yeah, you don't have one right now. Who's your burner? You don't have one right now. I don't think... You have one right now. I'm trying to think of any transfers that can. There's in. a wealth of guys that could play in the slot. Because we didn't really have one last year, did we? Besides Mariner, when he was healthy, actually Mariner was healthy for most of yeah, the season. Mariner was was pretty healthy. He took a beating though. He took a beating, and he was really good on third and long. And Caleb Rep was also. Dude, we're gonna miss Caleb Rep. So who's the tight end we're looking at now? Um, yeah, tight end. I think there's some good tight ends there. I uh, think you got Bryce Mortensen, who will be back. He was redshirting last year after coming home from a mission. The Skyview kid, who was really right. good. Carson got, Terrell, is he back? Uh, you got Carson Terrell back. He, f- I think he started to come along too. late That's in the what year. I was about to say. He finally he was, came through and started catching the football. Yeah, he was more reliable, holding on to the ball. Boy, 
the athleticism of Caleb Rep was awesome. Yeah. Wasn't that I mean it was I mean to see him and Mariner on the field together was something else. Um Travis Bowman got in a little bit. I don't even remember him. Mosisi Manu. Don't remember Logan him. Lee. Okay, yeah, I do know oh, I do know Logan Lee. Couple of the guys that were able to rotate in. Okay. I interested to see who gets the spot there and who ends up playing the X receiver, right? The wide out, the sideline burner, who that guy's gonna be. Oh, I forgot Savon Scarver. Yeah, he Back. didn't play a lot of wide out though, did he? I think there's because out of necessity you probably see him more. Okay. Devin Tompkins. Tompkins is another one I'm excited about. Oh, and they need a punt returner. I guess would it be Savon or would it be somebody else? Uh, I think it would be Savon. I think he's earned the right to have that. And sure, absolutely. I'm with you. That opportunity. Uh, and then there's one more guy I wanted to ask you about. Compton. A Johnny Carter got in a little bit later in the season. I remember Carter a tad bit. Jordan Nathan will be back. That's who I was thinking of. Thank you. Is he back again? Yep. It feels like he's been there He'll forever. Be I know. I mean, I mean that in a nice way, too. That's great. I, I'm glad he's coming back. Maybe he's your sideline guy. I know he's not tall, but he's got great wills. He can get down the field in a hurry. Well, uh... But no tall kids, though, right? I mean, well, I'm right. trying to think transfer-wise what they got out of that, and I can't remember at all. Sean Carter, six foot two. I don't think we saw a whole lot of him last year. Kanan Eaton, similarly six foot two, in that wide receiver group. Sawyer Miller, six foot. He'll be a sophomore. Tim Patrick Jr. He'll be a sophomore. He's going to be good. He's not tall, but he's got great hands. Tim Patrick Jr. is going to be really good in the future. I look forward to seeing him play. So, anyway, some uh, Utah State football news, adding some uh, Pac-12 experience to the defensive side in the safety position with C.J. Pollard. I look forward to that. Reported uh, on 24-7 Sports and a couple other outlets. Hey, I I know it's not Utah State. Did you see the... uh did you see the BYU kid? Uh, or I guess the uh, he signed a letter of intent with Utah, and now wants out. Or oh, he's a basketball a player. Yeah, and then let and wants to go to BYU, and now like there's people within Utah's athletic administration saying that there was tampering going on when it there shouldn't be. Here's my problem: like, if you're and I don't mean to be this guy, but if you're Jackson Branchley or Rylan Jones, or if I dare say right now, even Mason Fultz of three really, really, really great athletes in basketball. Don't you kind of wish you were at Utah State? I mean, your your arena just got shrunk down from 16,000, whatever, to 8,500 because people don't come to your games. Uh, you're, you're like in the bottom feeder of the Pac-12. You can't get out of your own way because of your coach. Not because of you, but your coach, Larry Kay. And on the other side over here in Happy, uh, Cash Valley, back-to-back Mountain West Conference Championships, back-to-back NCAA appearances. Well, I'm going to say it's an appearance this past year because we were in it. Um, and looking like you're going to be a darn good team. I, I'd love to see Utah get the guts and come play these Aggies. 
and just not really rub it in the face of Jackson and Ryland, but say, hey, look, man, you guys, I, I know the recruiting wasn't great on our side, but... It's God. a different story now. Yeah. It's a different story now. Yeah. It's a good league. It's a pathway to the tournament and to get noticed by the NBA. And what's going on at the University of Utah, it's a mess. Players are leaving. They don't want to be there. And going to rival schools. Not just leaving. Yeah. He's going to Provo. <laughs> All right, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, there's news in the end in the excuse me, major, major League Baseball, MLB. Is it good news? Is there movement? Or are they just digging their trenches even deeper? We'll discuss that <laughs> coming up next in the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. They don't move. Major League Baseball is not inclined to meet them anywhere at that level and would then institute the 48-game season with the full full prorated pay. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson, that was Jeff Passan. Boy, he's he's been on a roller coaster as reporting this, hasn't he? <laughs> the whole negotiation has been a roller coaster. Yeah, and it's it's starting to become a failure. On both sides. What's the latest, E? Okay, so uh, here. Well, here's one more piece about it that the the owners do not want to budge on <laughs> some form of prorated salary. They just don't see it economically feasible to pay uh, what you know, the salary. Now, granted, they've already agreed to a, a, a salary cut, but they see if there are no fans in the stands. It's going to cost them a lot more money to play games than to not play games. The biggest point of discussion, Kevin, comes back to money, and it comes back particularly to the idea that the players are getting their full prorated salary. It's been interesting to watch the evolution of where the players have been and where they've gotten to. I was talking with one player earlier today who was sort of on the fence about this idea of them trying to recoup that full prorated salary, thinking, okay, maybe if we meet somewhere in the middle with MLB, uh, you know, that'll get us back on the field sooner. The players have coalesced, and according to a number of them and a number of longtime officials, it seems like the union is as strong as it has been in potentially decades. They've really centered around this idea of getting their full prorated pay, and it is not something they are going to move off of. So they're they're pretty firm in this position. Uh, the, the chief negotiator for the Major League Baseball Players Association says the league's cynical tactic of depriving America of baseball games in furtherance of their demand for unwarranted salary concessions short-sighted and troubling. So but Major League Baseball said today, I guess this came out last night, look, look, we will do a 76-game season, but there's less guaranteed money. So here's the thing. Is is uh, CBS sports writer Mike Axis or Axisa or Axa uh, said this on Twitter. 82 games at a sliding scale equals 33% salary. 50 games at a prorated pay equals 33% salary. And 76 games at a 75% prorated pay equals, ready? 33% salary. So they're just dressing it's it up a, in different yeah, clothes, but it's go. the same it's like thing. When you, yeah, it's like when your kid asks you if he can do something, you say no. So he comes back 45 minutes later with the same request, but in a different form. 
but you're smart enough to be like, uh, no. <laughs> it's still the same thing. So, and, and I think that's what it, it's here too. It's it's the same thing, but just dressed up differently, as you said. I like that. Uh, the the new proposal: seventy six games, seventy five percent of players prorated salaries. So basically, nine hundred and eighty nine million dollars would be from straight salary, four hundred forty three million dollars in money paid if the playoffs take place. The owners want to make sure that they put a concession in there because there's a concern about a second wave potentially that could cancel the postseason. And they yeah. don't want to have to be on the hook for player salaries if there's no postseason. Don't yeah, and you can't leave that out, right? I mean, there is that possibility. But you know what? The the owners they've got to they've got to do something here to adjust it before I was mostly against the players. And I think they still need to move a little, but the owners they're playing the same game over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Mm-hmm. They need to make it a little bit of an adjustment there if they want any games to be played. And I think this this week, week to ten days is critical. Well, I think Buster, if they can't get it figured out. Just fold up shop and Buster only said it really it well day. yesterday. They're losing fans by the day and lots of fans. That's a big problem. I mean, you're almost to the halfway point of when the regular season yeah. would be. Just say yes. Like, let's go. Let's play. Enough's enough already. I know. The NBA has a plan. Oh, yeah. The NHL has a plan. you know plan. why? Because they have good relationships between the players and the owners. And the, and the commissioner, excuse me. And they're going to be happening in the summer when that should normally be reserved <laughs> all for Major League Baseball. Uh, but, I mean, there's still a chance that they could get play resuming around the 4th of the July. It's still, still out so. there. I'm pessimistic. Though. But they got to get it done fast. Anyway, that's going to do it for us tonight. Have a great that- night, everybody. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The NFL announced a new series of guidelines for getting back to football. Teams have some work ahead of them to rearrange their buildings. Lockers have to be six feet apart. Any meeting with over 20 players is supposed to happen virtually. People have to wear a mask inside the facility. Of course, the strange thing is that even if they keep the players apart off the field, the sport is all about close contact on the field. Maybe they can stay six feet apart in the locker room. But what happens when practice starts? They are working on adding material to face masks, but none of that has been tested yet. The NFL isn't alone. Major League Baseball issued a 67-page safety document, and we don't even know if they're going to play. We will see how all this evolves. The NFL still has time on their side. They'll learn more from other sports. Right now, they have the best of intentions with these plans, but executing them come football season could be an entirely different matter. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.